Our scripture reading this morning is James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord for us. Good morning, MCA. What a joy it is to be back. So many of you this morning have said, welcome back to, uh, to the Reisner family. So um, it has been a very eventful few weeks for us, as you know. Um, multiple hospitalizations and the flu and uh, many other ailments that have gone through our family. So we've been very sick. Um, little Matthias in particular, uh, who was really struggling, he is, seems to be back to himself. And so I wanted to say uh, from the bottom of my heart a sincere thank you to you as our church family, um, just for the outpouring of love and support and prayers. Um, we very much appreciate it. Um, so thank you for that. It was very meaningful to have you all. Uh, you had our backs through, through this difficult time. It was a re- really challenging couple of weeks. Um, during that time, of course, we also welcomed <laughs> into our family the newest Reisner. Um, so Benjamin Dan was born on December 21st. Um, he is just a delight. He also has been sick a little bit, but seems to be back on the mend. He's with us this morning. In fact, we've got the whole Reisner family here. So it's a joy to be here with our church family for those of you who braved the treacherous road conditions this morning. Um, I know we have others that are, that are joining us online as we have every week, but it's just a fantastic uh, start to a new year for us, feeling healthy, getting back into uh, life and ministry as we know it. Um, also, a good news update for our church family, um, and that is regarding our search for a worship pastor. So our search committee, our worship pastor search committee has indeed recommended a candidate uh, to take the next steps in the process. Um, and so our elder board, the, the next step there is interviewing with our elder board. Um, and so if you would, please be in prayer for that process. So we do have an individual that the search team has recommended. Um, in fact, that is Tuesday night that he will be coming in and interviewing with our elders. Um, so please be in prayer. Um, we all know we've been waiting and trusting the Lord, uh, walking by faith and not by sight. Uh, for that next staff position, for the, for the worship pastor position. And so we have an individual that's going through those steps. Uh, so please join us in praying for God's will to come about in that situation. All right, so uh, for the new year, we have this, and, and we launched it last Sunday, this new sermon series, and it's called Redeeming Your Time. It's a five-week series. Lakota kicked it off last week, had a great word. Um, and part of the reason for this is, at the start of a new year, we usually do have these goals and aspirations. So Mark Sarver kind of spoke into that this morning. It's, it's that sense of, oh, I can be more. I can do more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow. I'm going to improve my health and my finances and my fitness and my marriage and my spiritual walk. And all of that is good. And I hope you do all of those things, all of that and more. But what I've learned is it actually, so much of that depends not so much on your desire, your ambition, your intention, but what it actually relies upon, what it depends upon, is your ability to wisely use your time. 
because we fall back into those old same habits that left us in the condition we're in right now. And so if we want to grow, if we want to change, if we want to improve, if we want to reach those goals and have those successes, so much of it depends on the wise use of our time. And so there is a fantastic book by Jordan Rayner. It's called Redeeming Your Time. The subtitle is Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and Wildly Productive. And so this book is actually what we're drawing heavily uh, upon for this series. So you don't need to get the book, although I would say if you're looking to add something to your reading list, this is a great one. Uh, get, get this book, read this book. It's, it's, it's a fantastic read. And, and in the book, Rainer points us to Christ. Like this is not just another run-of-the-mill time management scheme. It draws from the scriptures. And, and specifically, here's what, I li- here's what I really like about it is it takes us on this really close look at Jesus, like the way Jesus operated. In other words, okay, we want to have success. We want to do these things. Let's look at how Jesus operated. Let's consider the way he functioned, the way he used his time, and follow him. He's our Lord. He's our teacher. And so let's operate in the way he did. So I would say, uh, as I've been reading through this book, I I think Rainer's main thesis is, as we look at the life of Christ— we find all of the wisdom needed for our own. As we look at the life of Christ, and specifically the ways he operated and utilized his time, we can adopt those same things for ourselves, the principles of time management. Um, the, the main theme, of course, comes from Ephesians 5 and verse 16, where Paul commands us to redeem the time. And he goes on then to say, so that we can do the will of the Lord. And so again, I just want to begin there this morning as we think about being all we can, reaching our full potential, hitting those goals for 2024. And again, I'm I'm for that, but I want us to just consider that God has provided us with the perfect example in our Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect example. And so lest we think right at the onset, well, wait a minute, how can Jesus help me manage my time? Like Jesus didn't have a smartphone. Jesus didn't have emails that were pinging him multiple times a day. He didn't have TikTok. And you're right. (laughs) Jesus lived in a different time, a different era. I don't believe he had an Apple Watch. He didn't have to choose between, uh, I'm going to do my quiet time or I'm going to binge on Netflix. Yes, he lived in a a very different time. Here's what Hebrews 4.15 teaches us, though. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Jesus, our high priest, Jesus, our supreme example, understands. He knows. He came as a human and faced all of the temptations that you and I face. So he came in the flesh. We believe that he came fully God and yet fully human. So he can understand everything we face. And we just see this throughout the Gospels, if you look at the, the, the ministry of Jesus, that there were often interruptions. There were often times where his attention was demanded, where he had to make decisions regarding his time and the use of it. So think about like the time where he was going to heal the daughter of Jairus. And as he's going and he's on his way, the woman grabs his cloak. That was an interruption. That was not what he was expecting. Or the time he's teaching in a house and what happened with the roof. 
but it was removed, and all of a sudden, <laughs> the man is lowered down through the towels of the roof. And if you remember that story, you remember Jesus is like preaching, basically. And all of a sudden, there's this disruption where the, the roof opens and the man comes down, and Jesus speaks with the man, he heals the man, he ministers to the man. It doesn't say if he finished the sermon. <laughs> It doesn't say what happened after that. And you imagine in that setting that there are people there, and, and there were people there who were very important people, or so they thought. They had come, and they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and all of a sudden it's like, all he's doing is hanging out with this weirdo. So that probably was not a popular decision that Jesus made. Um, so again, as I say, uh, we can learn time management principles from Jesus. I recognize that life in the first century was very different. But Jesus did have to deal with time management issues just like we do. Um, and for Jesus, he clearly prioritized time with his heavenly father above all else. You can see how that was a non-negotiable. It wasn't, ah, oh, I've been really busy. I've been doing a lot of preaching and we had to travel and I had to heal people and there were the children who needed me and there were all the lepers who were just lined up one by one and I didn't really have time to just kind of tuck away in prayer and seek the face of the Father. Jesus never said that. He would have huge crowds of people pressing in on him and wanting him and he would disappear. Why? Because he clearly prioritized time spent with his heavenly Father and you and I should do the same thing. That, that, that should be the non-negotiable, that we spend time with the Heavenly Father above all else. He, he seemed to really kind of fight to block out the noise and create room for silence and stillness and reflection. Jesus also always ensured that his yes was yes. In, in commitments large, in commitments small, and really that's the point that we're going to start with today as well. That as we seek the Lord... And as we, 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 we want to be wise in how we use our time and how we, again, this biblical concept. And, and Lakota did a deep dive in, even into the Greek. If you didn't catch that, go back last week and listen to the sermon. Redeeming the time. If we want to do that well, we're going to need to let our yes be our yes. So this is obviously a, a biblical teaching. For many of you, you've heard this. You've, you've grown up with this. You've, this is something that's familiar to you. This is something that Jesus taught and something that Jesus modeled. He did both. He lived it out and he taught it. Do what you say. Practice what you preach. Be a person of your word. And here, let me just make this clear how this relates to time management. When you follow through with your commitment. So in other words, when you let your yes be yes. You start to learn to say no to things that are not as important. In other words, you realize I'm not going to be able to to do that. Or if I say yes to that, every yes is a thousand no's. And so I've got to keep my priorities straight. And so letting your yes be yes helps you to recognize that sometimes you have to say no to the things that you're not called to do, to the things that God has not gifted and equipped you to do, to the things that you know you're simply not going to have time for. And so you learn to say no. Uh, does anyone else here admittedly love to have a to-do list and check those things off of the to-do list? Anybody? Like, yeah, we have quite a few of us that are, <laughs> that are that way. Like, the deep 
satisfaction, the beauty, <laughs> the, 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 the gratification of checking that off of our to-do list. Like, it feels so good, so satisfying. But it's those, those items on the to-do list that we don't check off, that you can't cross out, that you've not accomplished. It's those that cause us trouble. It's those that give us problems. The, the things that remain undone. Um, they create what's known as an open loop in your brain. An open loop, meaning you've started it, you know you need to do it, like you've, you've, whether you've put it on a, a physical to-do list or just mentally you know, oh, I need to do this thing. It's, it's called an open loop in your brain. I know I need to do this thing, but it's not yet done. And it, this can be a commitment you've made to yourself. Oh, I'm going to do this. Or it can be a commitment made to someone else. Hey, I'll do that thing. It's an open loop. When we have open loops that start to pile up, so you have one, then you have two, then three, then four, then you have a hundred. <laughs> you, you have, this is when, when you're getting into the, this sort of, uh, and this is what Jesus teaches against here, is when we say, let your yes be yes, you follow through on the things you've committed to. When you fall short of that, and we all fall short of that, I want to be clear on that, we, we all do this, we all have open loops. But when you... When you have these open loops that start to just pile up one on another, one on another, a growing list of them, it causes you anxiety. This is documented. This is scientific. There is this mental stress that accompanies multiple open loops that weighs on us. You said, I'll be there. And then other things came up and you weren't there. And it's just kind of lingering. It's just kind of awkward. You probably should go back to that friend and say, oh yeah, I, did, I wasn't able to make it, and I'm really sorry. You have that project for work, and it was supposed to be completed by the end of the week. And maybe even your coworker or your boss said, hey, I need that project, I need that proposal by the end of the week, and right now it's Sunday, and it's like, they didn't get that. <laughs> that didn't happen. That, didn't, that, didn't, that wasn't accomplished. Or, or all of the things related to your work, your life, your family, all of those things. And I also want to, want to say, more than this self-inflicted stress that it causes, a major problem when we have these open loops is that we begin to lose trust with other people. So, you might say you'll be there. You might say you'll do that, but your track record shows that you're unreliable. And... Some of my greatest regrets are the times that I've said things that I, I'm going to do this thing or I will and I didn't. And I have walked through the consequences of that because I've broken trust. And it's really hard to regain when you've said something and you didn't follow through on it. Like it's a big deal. <laughs> Uh, I would say, this is something the Lord has been teaching me, even very recently, convicting me. And I've done this very poorly. I've said yes way too much. I I've flippantly said, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll go there. Yeah, I'd like to do this. And I don't follow through. And it's ugly. And it's not good. It's not good for, for any person. It's especially not good for any follower of Jesus. And I would say it's disastrous for a pastor and a church leader. So if I've said to you, I'm going to do something and I haven't followed through, I'm really sorry. 
please forgive me. I'm learning, I'm growing, and I know I've messed up. And I know this is a big deal. I hear what the scriptures say. Let's go to James 5.12. He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. He says, otherwise you'll be condemned. And he's not talking about cussing. When he says do not swear, he's not talking about using four-letter words, those you know, cuss words, those swear words, foul language. He's talking about uh, making an, a, a verbal affirmation that goes beyond a yes or no. So a promise, an oath, a vow. Um, I actually really like the way that Peterson's paraphrase of the, the scriptures, the message, words uh, this verse. The message of James 5.12 is this. Uh, And since you know that he cares, that's talking about the Lord. Since you know the Lord cares, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up, God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way your language can't be used against you. Now, this is a teaching from James, but, but originally it was a teaching of Christ. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus says this very thing. James is really just echoing what he heard his brother say. And if you think this condemnation of swearing is harsh, then let this be a reality check for you. Let the scriptures speak to you this morning, because there is a sobering truth and reality here. Um, Like Jesus himself teaches about the power of our words. If we go to Matthew chapter 12, Verses 36 and 37. The words of our Lord. I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted. And by your words you'll be condemned. What we say matters. Not just our intention, not just our desire. So if you want to be all you can be in 2024, and I hope you do, I hope you have goals, I hope the Lord has has put things on your heart, I want you to start by asking the Lord today, help me, Lord, help me to have my yes be yes. We should be people who speak the truth. We know the truth. The truth has set us free, and so we should be people who, who speak the truth, but speaking the truth can be really hard. I recognize that. Heard the story of a family who got a batch of homemade candy from their grandma for the, the holidays. Uh, so they get the candy, and you kind of look at it. It's, the, it's rock hard. They're kind of smelling it, tasting it. It's like, <gasps> it's like menthol or something. Like, what flavor is this? Is it wintergreen? Or I, I don't really know. Those like minty, you know, those really harsh, like minty flavors. So, I mean, they taste it a little bit. They're like, this is terrible. No one's going to eat this, and they throw the candy out. Like, like, we might want to save this for when we're sick and need to clear out our sinuses. But beyond that, this is not good stuff. So the next time they see the grandma, she asks them, Oh, did you enjoy the candy that I sent you? And the 10-year-old responds to the grandma. He says, we don't have it anymore. Yeah, grandma, candy like that doesn't last long around our house. <laughs> not sure if she found out uh, what happened to it or not. Here's what the scriptures teach us. Here's here's the encouragement today. Um, We should humbly submit to the Lord. 
Instead of, instead of, I can do it, I'll do that, here's what's going to happen. Like the, uh, the scriptures that Christy read for us. They make that clear. Let's turn there again, James chapter 4. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. that that's why you hear people say, Lord willing, I'll be there. Right? That's a very biblical concept. It comes straight from James 4. It, it's, it's when you, you start to add in those, hey, I promise I'll do it. You, you take a vow, you, you make an oath. You, it, do, when you do those things, it actually undermines your word. It has the exact opposite effect of what you want. Because I get so accustomed to hearing you say, I promise this and I promise that. And you still have broken your word. So then all of a sudden I say, hey, can you help me out? And you say, yeah. And it's like, oh, but you didn't promise. It actually begins to undermine your word. I think of a wedding ceremony. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you have all the, all the beauty and all the decor and, and the processional and, and the exchange of rings. Like all these beautiful things. But in the wedding ceremony, there's really a point. There's a moment. There's a question that's posed to the bride and the groom. And it's a question about having and holding and being faithful until death do you part. Like it's kind of, it's the, it's the crux. It's the most important part. And, and you, you as, as an officiant, then I ask, do you, you know, will you do all of these things that I'm waiting for? And what's the response? It's, I do. It's not, I swear I will. I swear on my mother's grave. I'm going to live up to all these high and lofty things. I promise that I promise. I hope to die. That I, I will accomplish all of these things. It's, I do, right? Or depending on the, you know, sometimes it's I will. That's fine too. But it's this sense of, with God's help, yeah, I will. I do. It's this very simple response to probably the biggest question that you've encountered in your entire life. Will you commit to this person? Will you be faithful to this person? And you say, yeah, I do. Let your yes be yes. So I mentioned this a few minutes ago, this idea of these open loops that start to pile up and cause anxiety. Um, these un really unfulfilled promises. I, I told you, this is scientifically proven. It's called the Zygarnik effect. The Zygarnik If you've studied psychology, maybe you've read this, or you can, you can Google and look up for yourself. But it, it's, it's, the, it's been proven that we tend to remember unfinished tasks more so than those that are incomplete that are complete. Uh, you, you've probably experienced that. Like, so again, this is scientifically proven. They've done, they've done studies and research and experiments where they've proven this is true. Um, you have probably experienced this if you've struggled with insomnia and there is that thing that's on your mind kind of keeping you awake. Or maybe you fell asleep and then you woke back up at some point and it's like, oh yeah, I've got that thing. I've got to do that thing. I can't forget that I need to do that thing. So um, the best way to handle that, by the way, is uh, have like a notepad and a pencil next to your bed. And you write that thing down 
and you're able to go to sleep because you've put it in a place. And again, this is part of the part of the science behind it is you've put it into a system or a place where you know you can carry that task out. So yes, it's still incomplete, but it's not just weighing heavily as in, I know I need to do it, but it's not even in process. So the, gynar- guys, the Zygarnik effect, the tendency to remember unfinished tasks more than those that you've already completed. Once you've checked it off your to-do list, they, um, part of the studies have shown that when, when people are asked for the things that they've already done and accomplished, you don't remember them as well. But the things that you're about to do that you still have yet to do, you remember with much greater recall. Uh, one author puts it this way as I was reading about this. Stress comes from unkept agreements. But there's good news because, um, as I said, the science shows that once we put it into a system, that actually lessens the, uh, the stress. So you write it down, you put it into whatever system you use, whatever to-do list you use, and that helps. Um, and then sometimes, I, I, I find this funny because sometimes when that happens to me, I get up the next morning and I look at it, the, that thing that was bothering me and troubling me, and I'm like, really that? <laughs> that was so insignificant. Why did that keep me up at night? So as we look at the example of our Lord Jesus, we want to redeem our time. We be wise about our use of time. We learn that we should let our yes be yes. There's a second point I want to make this morning before we close. Uh, I'll be brief in this, but Jesus, as we look at his life, he just had these wonderful habits. And I referred to this just a few minutes ago, but uh, to block out noise. And that's an encouragement for each and every one of us today. If we want to redeem our time, we let our yes be yes, but we also learn to block out noise, to create room for reflection, for silence, for stillness. Uh, we have long called that devotional time, that time spent with the Lord, that time in the scriptures and in prayer as quiet time. Why is that? It's because you're quieting the noise and you're tuning in to what God has for you. If you've read C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, you're familiar with the phrase he uses there, which is the kingdom of noise. <laughs> Like, we live in this world that's loud and that's filled. Really, we live in a time of unprecedented noise, nonstop news and entertainment, the buzzing devices in our pockets and on our wrists. And those external noises cause us to be unsettled internally. There's a, there's a connection there. That the noise around us impacts our ability to think, to create, to reflect. Sometimes you sit down and it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And your mind starts thinking about all of those things with your work and your family and your health. Like you, your, your mind constantly is, is moving and shifting. And, and if you're like me, sometimes you get very frustrated with that. Part of the solution for success, even in our quiet times, in our prayer life, our internal life, our thought life, is to quiet the noise and to redirect back to Christ, back to his word. When we're just filled with noise, there's no space. There's no mental space where we can think. If we can't think clearly, 
Well, that's major trouble, like especially as it relates to redeeming your time and being productive, being wildly productive, as Rainer calls it. Um, you're not going to get the things done on your to-do list if you haven't been thinking clearly and effectively engage in the tasks that God has given you to do. I think this shows up in really ugly ways, like we've just come through the holiday season. This can show up in really ugly ways when, I won't ask for a show of hands, but maybe you were somewhere where you were physically present, but mentally you were a million miles away. Like you're there, you're there in person, you're there in body, but your mind is somewhere completely and totally different. The noise that's around us, the noise that's within us, limits our ability to be at peace. But the scriptures have a solution. If we look at Philippians chapter 4, Paul says very clearly, and with authority, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says this in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Like, that's what the Lord does when we quiet our hearts, when we block out the noise around us and within us. He directs us to those things that are good and right and pure. And in that, we realize we don't need to be anxious. And I want you to hear that this morning, this encouragement from the scriptures. Don't be anxious about anything. We have a God who wants to hear what's on our hearts. He wants to give us peace. He invites us to come to him in prayer, to quiet ourselves, just like Jesus did, to pull away, to come away from the crowds and the noise, to, to, to direct our minds then to those things that are true and noble and right and lovely and pure and admirable and excellent. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Friends, do not allow the noise to keep you from redeeming your time. So we all agree, too much noise, that's bad for us. <laughs> but what do we do when our world is so noisy? Like, I have 11 people in my family. <laughs> You think, you think it's quiet in our house? What do we do when our world and our home and our life is, is so noisy, it's so difficult? Again, we look to Jesus. Because his life was busy and his life was noisy. In fact, the busier he got, the more he sought out silence. And that wasn't easy for him. It wasn't like, uh, oh, here, Jesus, we have this soundproof room that you can just step into. He was like, I got, I got to get away. And, I, and so what that meant for him is, I'm going to take a hike. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go. I'm going to travel a ways to find that spot. And so we need to do the same thing. Find that spot where you can quiet your heart, where you can still your mind, where you can think about then the things that are so good and right and lovely that the Lord directs you to think about. 
In fact, there's part of me that thinks, maybe that's what you need. Maybe even today, you're feeling tired, you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling weary. You've got a lot of things going on in your life, but maybe even more so in your mind. Decisions that need made, problems that need solved, tasks that remain unfinished, and you've got those open loops. I told him I would do that. I told her I would do that. I told myself I would do these six things. This is, this is a brand new year, and I've got all these resolutions. Maybe what you need today is to slow down. In fact, I would encourage you right now, take a deep breath. In through your nose and out through your mouth. God is in this place. He invites you to come and experience his rest. He wants to give you peace. Through the Apostle Paul, he says, don't be anxious. Not about anything. Present your requests to God. And know the peace of God. So right here, right now, I want you to know this. God sees you. God cares about you. He loves you. And he loves you just as you are. I want to make this clear that, you know, when it's like, hey, we got to redeem our time and we got to be wildly productive in all those things. It's not, I got to do that so God will approve of me. And again, Lakota made this really clear last Sunday. He, he spoke the gospel. We don't earn favor with God. We don't earn our way into heaven. We don't earn our salvation. So, so when we talk about, let's Let's be, redeem the time and be productive. It's not so that we can get God's approval. The scriptures say, it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. We don't have to do any of these practices. <laughs> and we are still perfectly and completely loved by God our creator. I want to be clear on that. When you recognize that love, you embrace it, and you want to then live it out. I do think we walk in obedience to say, I want to make the most of my time on earth. I want to make my most of my time this week. I do want to lean into this idea of redeeming my time, being wise, being all that God has intended for me to be. Why? So that, again, according to the scriptures, Ephesians 5, 16, so that we can do the will of the Lord. It's all about him. It's all about service to him and knowing him. This is a response, my friends, to the great love of God. And that great love of God has been shown to us on full display in the cross of our Lord Jesus. It's in that place where he willingly sent his one and only son who laid down his life to take the punishment that our sins deserve. And so therefore, as the scriptures say, watch carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. As always, our prayer team is going to be available in the front this morning as we dismiss. You're welcome to come. We would be honored to pray with you, to bear your burden, to go with you before God's throne of grace. Let's take a moment and pray together now. Thank you, our Heavenly Father for your goodness to us. We are undeserving. And yet, Lord, you have made us worthy 
through the shed blood of your, Je of, of your son, Jesus, our Savior. And so we proclaim freely and humbly this morning that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to you, O oh God, purchased through that shed blood. And so, Lord, do your work of redemption and transformation in our hearts and lives that this year, 2024, would be a year that we seek you and your ways. That even if it doesn't make any sense to anyone else, we say, I'm going to slow down, I'm going to draw back. Why? Because it's a non-negotiable that I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And thank you, oh God, that in those places, you direct our hearts and minds to things that are true and right and lovely and noble, admirable. You direct our hearts and minds to the cross. And so, Lord, it's with gratitude that we say, thank you for your master plan of salvation. We belong to you. We are yours. And so, Lord, help us to redeem our time, that it would be according to your will and all for your glory. Lord, seal these things in our hearts today. Flesh them out in the days to come that we might walk worthy of the calling we've received. Not on our own merit, not on our own goodness, our own ability, but Lord, because of you and your goodness. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your endless love for us. Praying it in Jesus' name, amen.